Hello, hello. I am so excited to bring you this episode with my dear friend, Miss Abigail Reagan. This episode was originally recorded inside my high performance group coaching program, The Queen's Way, and it was so good. I could not, I could not not share it because the information in it in regards to women's health is so instrumental. I wish I had had somebody like Abigail, someone so knowledgeable and mastered in the field of women's health to be able to walk me through and guide me to my next level of achieving harmony with my hormones. So if you are looking to get pregnant or have struggled with your hormones or have any questions about your body as a female, then this interview is for you. This interview is brought to you by The Queen's Way. If you are looking to get to your next level of performance and connect with like-minded boss babe queens and achieve the massive growth that you desire, then The Queen's Way is for you. The Queen's Way follows a proven step-by-step system to get you to the next level. We get you into an intensive, fast-paced, four-month high-performance curriculum that ranks a 9.7 out of 10 in satisfaction compared to other coaching programs when measured by the High Performance Institute. Each month, I bring in a specific guest expert like Abigail to support the queens that I have in that community in any area that they're struggling with. So for example, last year, we had some queens who were dealing with some feminine physiological things, which was why I brought in Abigail in order to support them. And most of them actually ended up becoming clients of hers. Each week, you're going to go through a specific process so you can achieve a new level of mastery and personal growth in your business, life, and your relationships. Now, my private clients pay me thousands of dollars a month to work with me through this specific process where I combine a month of NLP, timeline therapy, and hypnosis to then set you up into that high-performance curriculum that is super rock star. So you get it for a fraction of the price. This is my signature crowned coaching methodology. And you also get $1,000 worth of my self-study courses to support you as you build your fempire when you sign up as a member of the Queen's Way. So The wait list is open, so if you want to get on the wait list for enrollment, go to crownyourself.com forward slash the Queensway and sign up for email updates. Now, I am so excited to bring you this interview. Please put your listening ears on, get your notebooks out because you are going to take copious amounts of notes. So I am so excited to bring you this interview. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello and welcome my fellow queens. Today I have with me an incredibly special guest. Her name is Abigail Reagan. She is the founder of Rebirth Midwifery. She is a licensed midwife who has been supporting women and families through the childbearing years since 1993. And you wouldn't guess it by looking at her. Her holistic approach to women's wellness has led her to additional studies in nutrition, homeopathy, herbology, prenatal exercise, energy medicine, cranial sacral therapy, visceral manipulation, the Arvigo techniques of Maya abdominal therapy, and holistic pelvic care. 
Abigail is a certified Arvigo practitioner and works with women at all stages in their lives to support healthy menses, fertility, digestion, pregnancy, menopause, and beyond. And in addition, Abigail is a certified Arvigo self-care teacher and doula trainer. She is currently enrolled in Dr. Aviva Ram, who I love and Abigail turned me on to, uh, Dr. Aviva Ram's herbal medicine for women training, and she's studying shamanism with Don Oscar Miro, I may butcher his name, Miro Quesada. So he is, so I am so excited to have Abigail. On a personal note, Abigail was a huge support to me pre-pregnancy. Uh, I worked with her personally to do some testing and to make sure all my hormones were ready to go, and she knows her Jeff. I met her years ago back when I was teaching Pilates and she was a client of mine and I loved her so much that we became friends. So may I welcome Abigail Reagan. Thank you so, so much for being here. So Abigail, yes. I know that you were inspired by the birth of your second daughter back in 1989 to go into midwifery and Tell us a little bit more about that experience and why you chose, A, to have a natural birth, and B, to then experience, help other women do the same. Well, Kim, um, my original inspiration was my own birth. And my mother had me um, actually in Japan, uh, completely natural childbirth. And it was actually her doctor who taught her natural childbirth uh, methods, relaxation and breathing. And uh, that was very unusual at that time because in the U.S. at that time, women were being completely uh, knocked out, anesthetized, um, unconscious for birth. So they really didn't remember any of it. Um, I did intend to have a natural birth for my first child, but I kind of naively just showed up at the hospital and then kind of got sucked into that downward uh, maelstrom, that um, kind of snowball effect of interventions that can happen in an environment where people don't really either know or support normal physiological birth function. So being kind of traumatized by that birth when I got pregnant again with my second fairly soon after, I realized I needed more information. And, um, and it led me to a woman who actually was a midwife and she uh, also worked, did hypnotherapy for women who, were, who had had traumatic births. Um, this was long before hypnobirthing, hypnobabies, all those other coined methods. So I worked with her and it was so powerful. I had a amazing birth at the birth center where she works. So birth center is a freestanding, um, uh, it's more than a clinic, a freestanding place where women can go into a homey environment with skilled practitioners, midwives or doctors or nurses to help them birth their baby. I believe, Kim, you had your son at a birth center here. I did. I did. You were actually one of the catalysts that sent me into like, let's do the natural childbirth. Cause that was something that I had really wanted. I have a very high tolerance for pain as is. I like to push my body to the limits and I was like, let's see if I can do this. And so you can catch not the whole birthing process. I don't show the whole thing, but you can actually see what a birthing center looks like and what a birthing, like what a natural childbirth, like I had a water birth personally is like, uh, on the show, being dad on Chicken Soup for the uh, on Chicken Soup for the Souls, being dad, um, they followed my husband and I around for a few uh, months, and they wanted to capture him becoming a father at 48, which is pretty impressive. And so they showed the natural childbirth, and there is a funny moment where I did choose to eat my placenta. I did not do it like raw, like a steak, but I did. Uh, Abigail, you were also one of the ones who encouraged me to do that and to, I encapsulated it and did it. Uh, and it really actually served. Like for me personally, I found it to be of incredible benefit to my uh, postpartum recovery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Right. So, well, I'm, I'm so glad that I was able to be of service, giving you some ideas and some options so that you could make your decisions, because that's the platform upon which I've always built my care. Um, and that's the platform for which I want to receive care from um, a medical provider. So that was what I received from my midwives in my second pregnancy. Um, I switched about halfway through, but they were so encouraging for me to be able to be empowered in my second child's birth, uh, the opposite of kind of the disempowerment that I experienced in my first daughter's birth. Um, so yes, I went into labor, had my daughter on my due date. I really don't know how long labor is because I didn't really look at the clock when it started, but probably about a four-hour labor. It did not hurt. Uh, well, let's say three of the surges hurt. Um, but that was just when my mind got in the way. But because mm -hmm. of my tools, I knew how to immediately take that fear mind out of the way, just drop into my birthing mammal mama bear center. And out came my sweet daughter, Kiara, on a beautiful uh, winter dawn where the room was full of orange light and uh, into my arms. And it, at that moment, it was so many things went through my head, um, Kim. The first thing was... I did it. Uh, the second, because I really wasn't fully sure, to be honest. The second thing was, oh my God, you're here, you beautiful thing. And the third thought, these came boom, boom, boom. Well, the third one is I want to do it again. Kind of like when you've just gone down the big water slide and you're yep. so full of like, to do that again, right over. Because it was, and the third, the fourth thought was, well, this was like a voice that said, be a midwife. So that was it, literally in those first milliseconds after my daughter was born. But I didn't act on it right away because I had my own business. I was a designer, a jewelry designer, interior designer. Um, and then I was raising some little girls. Yeah. So yeah. a few years later, the calling became so strong, I couldn't avoid it. I love that you mentioned how empowering natural childbirth is and uh, how to reframe the fear mindset around labor because a lot of women, especially what I found in Western culture, we like to reiterate and relive and talk about the traumatic experience of birth. And while my birth, my labor lasted longer, I also know it was because for 16, the first 16 hours, I was so focused in, oh my God, pain, oh my God, pain, rather than the shift, and it was something my doula said to me in the process after I got to the birthing center of, you know, it's just Declan. Every, every, every contraction is just Declan coming down the birth canal. And mm. as soon as she said that, I was like, I shifted into cheerleader, like coach mode, and was like, he's working just as hard to get out as I am. And I've worked, I've been on this planet a bit longer to know what hard work is. This is his first experience of hard work. And so let me cheerlead him. Let me encourage him. And that plus a little bit of homeopathic uh, medicine was just, it, it sped everything up. Suddenly I was cracking jokes in between contractions and it was, it was, it turned into an amazing experience and Spike turned to me cause he was there sitting in the corner, not knowing exactly what to do. And he just looked at me, said, you look regal. Like you look like you're freaking Wonder Woman. And it is one of the most, it is the most empowering experience I have ever had because you come out of it and you're like, if I can, I literally remember the thought and like in, in the middle of contraction. And I was like, if I can do this, I can do anything. Absolutely. Like, it's one of the most empowering experiences. So what caused you to shift from practicing midwifery into what you do now, which is more holistic women's health? Well, um, one of them is just that, um, my interests carried me forward. And I think it's really 
uh, important to honor within ourselves what our passion is and where it lies, because that is where we're going to have the most vibrancy um, in our life. And um, as much as I love birth and love being with women through the whole pregnancy and birth process, it's grueling to be on call 24-7. So I was on call for 20 years. So um, having a, um, a home birth practice meant that I'm the primary care provider. It's not um, a, a hospital where there's shift changes and everybody gets to go home and sleep. It's just Abigail doing it all. And it was grueling and it was exhausting for me. Um, I'm a very curious person. Uh, I always want to know more, know more about the body, the mind, um, birth, women's health. And so that led me to that long list of things that you covered in my intro, <laughs> other things to study. I'm, I'm a little bit of a nerd in that I always need to be learning and acquiring more information. And along the way, um, one of my childbirth education students was a practitioner of something called Maya abdominal massage. And I'd never heard of it before. And she was great at marketing herself. She gave me a handful of brochures and said, here. And there was a whole list of things that this could address in women's health. To be honest, I was so skeptical. I thought, I've never heard of this. This is California. This is woo-woo. <laughs> and I'm about as woo-woo as I as a person can get. But that just took me over the edge because it stood in the face of everything I'd learned as a midwife. And as a midwife, I do pap smears, I can set IVs. I mean, I'm not a doula. A doula is an emotional labor support person. A midwife is a primary care provider for women throughout the childbearing year and beyond. And um, so finally, I was dealing with some really intense menstrual cramps myself. So after a couple of years, I thought, you know what? Acupuncture hasn't helped. Changing my diet hasn't helped. I'm going to go try this weird abdominal massage. And it helped. Um, and it was amazing. And, um, and so my practitioner was teaching a class, a workshop, uh, a weekend workshop. Uh, it was a three-day kind of entry-level workshop where you learn how to massage your own belly. You learn some other techniques in Mayan healing. And literally after the first night, I just went onto the website and signed up for the professional training the next month. And I never looked back. I started doing the work with my midwifery clients. They'd come for a prenatal. And I'd start to do some massage on their belly or some adjusting on their sacrum. And the births totally changed. Um, first-time mamas can sometimes have longer, harder births, as we know. It's yeah. the first time the body has done this magnificent work of opening up to release another being. Um, and there's a lot of the mind stuff that gets in the way. Mm -hmm. But um, working with all my pregnant clients, doing our Vigo therapy on them, because that's the official name right now, um, I didn't have a single transfer to the hospital in a year. So what does a transfer mean? That usually means first-time mama, I'm getting tired. I've been up for two nights and we've let her sleep, eat, acupuncture, herbs, massage, breathing, visualization, the tub, whatever. And we still don't have a baby. So we go to the hospital for maybe a little Pitocin or an epidural. First time moms, um, you know, home birth, it's probably a good 25% will end up going to the hospital for that. And I didn't have a single lady go. And everybody was having their babies close to their due dates with straightforward kind of textbook labors. So I thought, I'm on to something here. And then the fertility ladies found me. And so I was doing birth and fertility at the same time. Um, and then I just really felt that my services were best used. My knowledge base was best used dealing with a broader range of women. So currently, I have clients from age 22 to 80 years old. And I address all different kinds of health issues, anything from painful menstruation, which is really easy to deal with, believe it or not, periods should not hurt, to fibroids, endometriosis, uh, fertility challenges, uh, IBS, gastrointestinal, um, bladder stuff, you name it. And so I get to work with lots of different kinds of women and bring my background, my tools, but I use the midwifery model of care. And that's based in giving education, giving information, um, pros and cons. What if you do nothing? Here's an alternative. What if we wait? Um, I want my clients, I want all women to be fully informed. That's the only way to make a choice. It's not just the doctor saying, here's a test and you should do it, so you're going to go do it. Or here's a procedure and I think it's good, so you're going to do it. That's 
not informed choice. That's mm-hmm. kind of more like informed, misinformed coercion. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know you deal with a lot of, I, we, in, in the group, uh, in the Queensway, we have a few older women who are in the you know, 30s, late 30s, or early 40s, and are thinking of like starting a family. And I know around that time, a lot of limiting beliefs can be created ab- around, am I going to be able to do it? Am I going to be able to get pregnant? I mean, Janet Jackson is like a special exception at 55 <laughs> or 51, however old she is. But what, when you are working with a woman who is older, like maybe around in her 40s, what specifically are the things that you find most commonly you have to address first around the ability to get pregnant? That's a great question, Kim. Um, so the first thing that I do is do a very in-depth assessment of lifestyle, mm-hmm. diet, exposure to uh, toxins, because one of the things that reduces a woman's fertility at any point really is what, what her body is exposed to, what, the, um, what those chemicals do to affect her own hormones, and thus her own immune system, uh, nutrient absorption, and fertility. So we do this assessment, and then I usually give my women um, some pretty, uh, pretty uh, s- strong <laughs> guidelines on how to adjust what they're eating. Um, and I want women to eat whole foods. I want them to eat stuff that doesn't that wasn't born in a box in a factory something that was born on the land or in the land. So lots of veggies, organic veggies, lots of uh, good healthy proteins. I'm not necessarily pro-vegetarian, but I can work with vegetarians. We really work around diet. And to, um, in addition to that, I usually have women start with some kind of a detox and start looking around their environment and understand where they're getting endocrine disrupting hormone-like chemicals in through their environment. So mm, non-organic food is a big one. Uh, Plastics, having food out of plastic, drinking plastic water bottles. Um, Our skincare products, which have plasticizers in them and endocrine-disrupting chemicals. For many women, they have no idea. They think, I get my period, so I'm fertile. Mm-hmm. Because I have a period. That's not necessarily so. So what we actually need to do, Kim, is take about three to four months prior to when she wants to start, uh, you know, trying to have a baby to detox, to um, bring more nutrients in. And there's specific ones we know that support fertility. And so I will address those. And I also try to give some guidelines for her partner if she has a male partner, because the woman's just 50% of the picture. Mm-hmm. She will take on 100% of the responsibility. Yep. I yeah. love that because you did put, uh, when we worked together, you did put me on uh, the Garden of Life Wild Rose Detox. And right. my husband, we did it three times over the course of three months when we knew that we were going to start trying to be, a try, we were just, start trying later on but we we did about three detoxes once a month once a month over the course of a summer in order to prepare my body and his sperm for baby and it for me it i thought uh, with my history with an eating disorder and with my history with well not my history with my husband but my husband just being older that there might be some difficulties and a once i eliminated those limiting beliefs and B, doing the detoxes, like it, not a, not even a problem. Like two months in, suddenly I was pregnant. Exactly. And here's the thing, Kim, is um, women often, uh, once a woman reaches 35, a pregnancy after 35 is called a geriatric pregnancy. Like, WTF. No, we're not geriatric at that age. Um, um, and so women start getting this message that their eggs are not going to be good, that they're, that they're not going to be able to get pregnant. I even have some young clients right now who are, you know, 
31, 32. And they were, they came to me because they were terrified they were going to be infertile just mm-hmm. because of what they're hearing out in the world. And yes, granted, we're living in a toxic world and that affects male and female fertility. Um, but I truly believe that if we are able to do what you and Spike did, so you do your detoxes, you've hone in your diet to the most nourishing whole organic foods, you add the appropriate supplements, um, that we can actually turn back the hands of time by increasing our antioxidants and decreasing our toxin exposure. We're youthifying ourselves all the way down to our gonads and a woman's eggs Current thinking is she has all the eggs she'll ever have when she's actually born. But actually, that's not true. We have stem cells in our ovaries. And so we can actually grow and grow new eggs from those stem cells. But nobody's talking about that because that would put the IVF business out of business. (laughs) So so your ovaries take um, about four months between the time they wake up a primordial egg cell that you were born with that you actually had in utero with your mom from when that cell is woken up to when it's ovulated as an egg, as an ovum. That's four months. Everything you're exposed to during that time will affect the health and well-being of that egg. We want to prepare the uterus too. Um, A woman who has a period that is painful, that has dark blood, that has clots, those are all signs that her uterus is not healthy. I might be digressing a little bit here. Oh, fine. Um, I believe, uh, as do the Maya people, that we want to prepare um, a woman's womb for the implantation and for the pregnancy. And then we're going to have the healthiest pregnancy and the healthiest birth. So in that process, I use herbs. I use the Mayan abdominal massage. Um, we use other things like um, steams, uh, traditional Mayan pelvic, herbal pelvic steams, all of those to help support the health and well-being of our ovaries and the uterus. So uh, let's say a woman was, let's say you're going to get married and you had never had a facial in your life and you hadn't washed your face for the past five years. But then you get the makeup artist to come and apply your your beautiful makeup for the day, and it's kind of a thicker layer so you can get through the whole event without your makeup coming off. Well, if you hadn't exfoliated or done anything to improve the circulation in the face, that makeup's just going to be sitting there, caked on with kind of dry skin, and you're not going to look as vibrant as if you had actually taken care of your skin prior. So why should the uterus be anything different? If you want an egg to be able to get fertilized and implant, you want a healthy, clean surface. So that's part of what I do. Um, And on another note, it takes a guy three months from the time his sperm is made until it's ejaculated. So a sperm is made a thousand every minute, lucky dudes, um, and then (laughs) matured in special little tubes in the testicles. So anything he is exposed to, good or bad, is going to affect the well-being of his sperm. Thus the preparation time that women are so impatient. I have women that will say, I can't take three or four months off trying to have a baby. Because I ask women to avoid conception. In other words, use condoms during this time. We are preparing the garden. We are clearing and cleaning and re-nourishing this garden so that it will receive a healthy baby easily. And some women say, I can't possibly do that. And I say, well, then we can't work together. Because if you go forward every month doing what you have been doing that hasn't been working, why do you think it's going to be different at any point? Definition of insanity, repeating the same thing, you're expecting different results. That's exactly it, yeah. So with, with women, let's, let's talk about IVF for a second, because I know you've, you've worked with some women who have ex- gone through IVF, and I love the fact, this is one of the reasons why I adore you, is that you have a no-bullshit attitude, and yes, you can curse here, so, <laughs> that you have a no-bullshit attitude, and that you do reject clients that aren't fitting to suit your model as well because if they're not going to do the work that you say that they need to do then they're not going to do the work on themselves and they're looking for quick fixes and that's not necessarily the case and that's really not how anything gets produced so how with ivf 
How do you deal with uh, a client who is undergoing I the IVF procedure? Okay, so just to clarify for those of you who don't know what IVF is, IVF is in vitro fertilization. It literally, literally means in the glass because uh, it's a glass Petri dish. And um, it is one of the uh, artificial reproductive technologies that we have that can assist uh, women to be able to get pregnant um, if they haven't been able to by other means. By, um, and I consider IVF actually a last ditch choice for a, a woman. And I actually, if somebody calls me up and says, hey, I'm having an IVF last next week or tomorrow, and I read this article that the Mayan abdominal massage can help, can I make an appointment? I'll say no. Don't waste your time and money. But if you want to take uh, if you want to take the time to get your body really healthy and to um, be able to actually conceive naturally on your own or maybe with just an IUI, an intrauterine insemination, um, or even an IVF, but let's take some time off to get yourself ready. If they're willing to show up for themselves, then I will work with them. But for the women who drop down into the fear place, the fear that the medical model has given them, feeling that that clock is ticking at a super fast rate, and if they don't do this intervention now, it will never happen, um, I, I'm not, uh, I might not be the best person for them, but I've had a number of women come around and say, you're right, maybe doing five IVFs last year wasn't a good thing. I noticed my moods are different now, my cycles are different now, I've gained weight, I don't feel right. And it's like, that's right, because you are so toxic at this point, your liver is overloaded, your hormones just don't even know what to do. Um, let's, um, let's drop out of that and really focus on you. Um, one of the things that Dr. Rosita Arvigo says, she's the woman that kind of came up with the Arvigo techniques of Maya abdominal therapy. She's an American naturopathic physician who's lived for 40 years in Central America studying indigenous healing methods, Mayan healing. She says, the baby's the second prize. She said, your excellent health is the first prize. And women don't want to hear that because they want a baby no matter what. And so they're willing to put themselves through this very interventive um, and I almost want to say dangerous process of IVF because the levels of hormones and chemicals that a woman's receiving, um, they increase her risk of cancer later. They increase her risk of hormonal imbalances, of developing um, hormonally driven uh, issues such as endometriosis or even fibroids. Um, it also encourages a less than healthy baby because it's not nature doing the selection. The egg, she is like a queen and she gets all her suitors around her, all those little spermies, they come in and they all dance around her and she says, hmm, maybe you, maybe you, you, you're the one and that's the one she allows in. That's her choice, that's her knowledge and her wisdom. Um, when they do IVF, they pick one random sperm out of the batch that looks like he can kind of swim straight and they just shove it into the egg. That's it. That's it. There's only a 17% chance of conception. Um, on an average cycle where a woman is having unprotected intercourse with her partner, there's a 15% chance of getting pregnant. So the chances are really just a scotch higher. They're not 80%, they're not 90%. But you wow. go through a month of taking birth control pills, giving yourself multiple injections, having your ovaries that are normally the size of a almond swell each one to the size of a lemon. Yeah, because they're being so hyper-stimulated. So this is a long answer, Kim, because <laughs> it's a very powerful topic for me. Um, I will say that I won't ixnay a woman if she's going to do IVF, but I'll say, let's take the time, let's prepare, um, let's really take care of your body, and maybe you'll even get pregnant without the IVF, and that does happen, yeah. So, wow, that was like a fire hose of just <laughs> unbelievable information. That was like, holy, 
and you do, I've, I've never heard like s some of this information. It's so powerful. What are the main sources that you go to for the information for your research backed approach? Well, uh, it's, it's broad, vast, and deep. Um, I, um, I read a lot of medical studies. Um, so I get kind of daily emails from Medscape, so I'm staying up and on top of the research. Um, I also follow another, uh, a bunch of other physicians, such my favorite is Dr. Aviva Ram. As you know, she yes. is a midwife. Uh, she was a home birth midwife herbalist, had her four daughters at home, and then she went to Yale Medical School, became a family practice doctor. She has a wonderful blend of information. Um, she's kind of one of my mentors in that she is giving, honoring information all across the board. Um, so she is one. Dr. Christian Northrup is another. Um, Dr. Josh He's a man, Dr. Mercola. So I do follow a number of other um, healthcare providers who really have their finger on the pulse of the research. Um, and I read obsessively. So. <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> I also have the observation of having worked with Women's Health now since 1993, so I guess that's 25 years, of, uh, of observing what works, what doesn't work. Uh, that may not be as scientific, but, um, but that does inform my practice also. Beautiful. So I think the hot topic that I got to dive into, birth control. Okay. <laughs> Okay. What do you have a question? <laughs> so, I know that I mean for me personally, my experience with birth control was short-lived. It was in my early 20s and it was atrocious. And it was what got me questioning uh the modern approach uh, or just that that approach in specific to handling certain things like PMDD or depression or skin breakouts. And so my question is what are the benefits that you've seen from birth control and what are the harms in, when it comes to fertility down the road or just menstrual period or just our hormone balance in general? So um, I'm, I'm assuming when you say birth control, you're meaning pharmaceutical synthetic hormones such as... Exactly. Full pill um, or something like the NuvaRing or Depo Provera, um, or even the uh, what 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 is that? It goes the, the uterine device, the IUD. The IUD. Yes. Um, so um, first of all, I really do want to under uh, underlay this with saying I strongly believe in a woman's autonomy in her body and her right to choose if and when she wants to have children. And I know that when the birth control pill uh, was introduced in the 1960s, it was revolutionary because now women could take their reproductive health into their own hands. Unfortunately, those synthetic hormones given in birth control pill um, do end up having a negative effect on a woman's hormone balance and on her health overall. Um, I do not recommend them ever for any purpose. Um, I have clients that come to me and say, oh, well, I had this symptom or that symptom. And so my gynecologist put me on birth control pills. And the thing that you have to understand is birth control pills do not heal a hormonal imbalance. If somebody has acne, if they have uh, PMS, breast swelling, painful periods, that birth control pill is not healing you in any way. It may mask those symptoms temporarily. Underneath what's going on at the root of your health, that's staying the same, if not getting worse. When women get off the birth control pill, they are less fertile than when they started the birth control pill. They have increased their risk of depression, of blood clots, of weight gain, of developing fibroids, 
of having uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, you name it. It's, there's a whole slew of negative side effects from taking the pill. Um, and if a woman wants to go on it because something's amiss with her being, why don't we look at what exactly is amiss and what caused that? Is there something we can change in the diet? Might there be some herbs or some vitamins that would help her body? Magnesium alone, magnesium glycinate, that will knock out premenstrual or menstrual cramping for most women just by taking magnesium. What, what would be the dosage normally for magnesium glycinate, would you say? Um, you know, you're going to have to uh, experiment with it, but it could be anywhere from 350 to 1,000 milligrams a day. So pretty much all of us are deficient in magnesium. Um, it's not in our soils anymore. Our soils are depleted. That would be our source. Magnesium normally will be in your dark leafy greens and a lot of your legumes like black beans. Um, there is some in chocolate, which is probably why women crave that chocolate before their period because, yes, magnesium <laughs> before your period will help to act as an antispasmodic will relax the muscles, as will an Epsom salts bath. That is magnesium. You get to just pour it into your bathtub and take a nice relaxing bath, maybe with some lavender essential oil or some clary sage. That will do wonders for knocking out um, kind of your average menstrual cramping. Sometimes we have other things that are more serious that are causing the cramping. So maybe that magnesium is just one of a multi-pronged approach. Um, um, when we're looking at other uh, uh, kinds of birth control, like the IUD, the intrauterine mm -hmm. device. So um, those, we have a hormonal version and we have a non-hormonal version that is copper. But mm -hmm. the way that the intrauterine device works is it causes a localized inflammation in the uterus mm -hmm. um, so that implantation cannot occur. Now, a woman will still ovulate. Sperm can still get up through the cervix and the uterus, out the fallopian tube, and fertilize the egg. That little fertilized egg can work her way along the fallopian tube back into the uterus, but because the environment there is not supportive of implantation, the vast majority of the time that egg will not be able to implant and it will just get reabsorbed. So um, it's not foolproof. Babies have been born basically holding the IUD in their hand. <laughs> it, does, it does work fairly well, but it has side effects. Um, as a matter of fact, my own daughter, and sorry, darling, that I'm telling your story. I won't give her name. But uh, my oldest daughter had an IUD for a number of years, um, and she started uh, getting pain. She had pain, terribly painful periods. And then the pain started to be in between periods, kind of lasting a little bit more before and a little bit after till it was all month long. And for months, she was having this terrible pain in her lower abdomen. Her gynecologist did an ultrasound, said, your IUD's fine, no problem. Um, sent her to a GI doctor, said, well, you have IBS, so why don't you try doing a little exercising? Now, this is a girl who five to six days a week is doing Pilates, bicycling, boot camp. She exercises. She has a beautiful diet. What was offending her body was this little gidget inside of her womb, and she happens to have a womb that leans backward. It's retroverted. They're more sensitive. I begged her to take it out. She took it out. Not a pain since... So well, as we know, inflammation is just it's toxic in general. Like inflammation is is a, a killer in any way. So with inflammation, I know certain there are lots of procedures and things to, to handle inflammation. One of them is dealing with diet and any foods that you're allergic to and making sure that you're eating mostly organic. Uh or all organic if if you can. I know some for some people that can be a cost issue um but it's also what's the cost of your health Bingo. like what's yeah. like yes it's a it's a cost up front but if you think of it as a cost it's an investment in your health like it's an investment in longevity it's an investment in your body same with any sort of self-care practices acupuncture chiropractic massage functional medicine 
And I wanted to ask you, what about cryotherapy for dealing with any sort of inflammation in the body? Have you ever recommended to a client of yours going into cryotherapy? I know that's a bit, been a big one in the personal development world. You know, uh, Kim, I haven't because I just don't know enough about it to make that kind of recommendation. Yeah. Awesome. So as a child, what did you dream of, of serving and supporting women in this way? Or, or like, how, how are you now, how are you now connecting with that desire? Like, did, did you have a childhood dream of, of, of doing something like this? Or, or like, would you tell your six-year-old self like, oh my gosh, like I would never, you, you will not believe where you end up. You know, that's so interesting that you asked that question because a lot of time in, in my working with clients, we do a lot of talking in addition to the body work. And so there ends up being some, uh, some loving counsel and a lot of women are stuck in their life and they're really not happy with what they're doing. And I ask them, I will ask that question. So when you were little, what did you really like? Like what turned you on? What was like, when I grew up, I'm going to be a this. And they'll think about it for a sec. And then that smile comes on and their eyes twinkle and they'll tell you something that to them still seems ludicrous, but that's the real you. That's how I see mm -hmm. it. I see with both of my daughters who they were as a, even as a in utero baby, even as a toddler is totally who they are now and what they're, how they've blossomed and developed. So mm -hmm. for myself, Kim, you're going to get a kick out of this. When I was about six years old, I wanted to be a nurse and a nun. <laughs> Why did I want to be a nurse and a nun? Okay, so in my little person mind, a nurse was somebody who took care of other people, who made them feel better. And I didn't really know much about it because I had no experience with nurses, but I know that when I was sick, my mother would come and put her hand on my forehead. And it, when you're in fever, that cool hand just made you feel wonderful or she'd rub my lower back and I thought basically I guess I thought being a nurse was kind of like being a mom <laughs> and, and then being a nun that might have been from watching some movie on tv and I just um I I think I I'm not a religious person I wasn't really raised with a lot of religion but I'm a highly spiritual person so I think this wanting to be a nun was this idea of uh, of spirit and service combined together being generous being grounded being loving to others so that's what little girl Abigail wanted to be was a nurse and a nun but then you know and then it was a ballet dancer and uh, then it was an archaeologist and then and then it was a mid a designer and then it was a midwife. So I've gone through some different versions, but I'd like to say that I truly am being true to myself, my passion to, um, to help others, but it's been honed over the years by my own personal experiences and where, uh, where I have become impassioned based upon them, such as having a traumatic interventive first birth followed up by uh, uh, an empowering natural second birth and realizing there's this whole spectrum and most women get the nasty birth and I want to make sure that they can get something that they don't walk away from feeling like I can't do it, like I'm no good, my body's broken because I want to eliminate that from women's mental vocabulary. Yes. Your body is fabulous. Your body loves you. Your body will show up for you. Give her a chance. Take care of her. She's your most valuable, your most valuable asset in your life. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. I ask in my coaching practice, that's one of the questions I ask and I like to ask it of my guests because connecting back to that initial childhood desire I personally believe that desire was sparked by the divine, the, the universe placed that desire in you. And while like my desire to be a princess <laughs> seems totally ridiculous, right? <laughs> and yet I built that into my business because at the time I wanted to be a princess. I also wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to be a director and a producer. And it, I combined that all into my own 
business and my own practice and in your way of the the nun and the <laughs> the nun and the nurse it's well, so perfect because it's so it's it's the childhood uh, image that you attach to it but it's it's kind of you you've evolved it so how have you changed from when you started on your path in holistic women's health to where you are now so what was what was the I guess the start was when I first took my doula training back in 1993 when my daughters were four and five years old how have I changed um, I think I've become more humble um, more compassionate um, Oh, I've expanded my knowledge base, but I feel like I have deepened on another level. And I don't know exactly how to express that. I think that's the level of spirit and energy. Because though we are a body, and that's a very real part of who we are, and we are a mind, there also is this other aspect of ourselves, the spirit, the energy body. And I feel that that's something that I have developed my understanding um, of over the years. And part of that is just life experience, being at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of births. Um, part of that is... Uh, life experience of going through suffering because we get the opportunity when we're challenged, when we're suffering to take full inventory of ourselves, mm -hmm. to, um, to find a new level of compassion for ourselves and to, to remake ourselves. Um, I also have done studies in energy medicine and shamanism uh, and that has also kind of deepened my, um, my approach when I'm working with women. So it's not just the body and the mind. It's also working on that other intangible level that some people say is the true level to source from because that's the highest vibration. We are all energy beings mm -hmm. having a physical experience. We are not physical beings having an energy experience. Yeah. And you, you attract what you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will find that I, love I love and adore all my clients I know that sounds really weird oh I, I do too I absolutely I love my clients I they're, love they're, that they're a, a form of family they I just I spend a lot of time in prayer and I do pray to the divine to send me women that I indeed can help that I have something to offer them and and they come. I don't advertise. I'm booked up weeks in advance. Um, they come. And I feel that if I even just have one appointment with somebody and I never see her again, sometimes years later, I'll find out that she took an amazing turn in her life. And I really, in, in a positive turn, where she was able to really step into a part of herself she wasn't when she came to see me. And I like to think that maybe, maybe I maybe the divine was working through me to give her that spark of inspiration or validation or, uh, or curiosity or direction to make those wonderful changes in her life. I love that. So what would be the, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you have learned along the way, along your journey to, growing a business and and in your practice and shifting along the way what would you say was the biggest lesson well well because i'm a libra i can't give you a straight answer <laughs> because there's this and everything so i'll give you one of them that just comes to me that's very profound and that would be how do i say this in a positive way um, allow yourself to embrace change. So I didn't want to say don't be afraid to change because mm -hmm. I, I don't want to give like a negative mantra, but uh, allow yourself the, the freedom and the possibility for change mm -hmm. within yourself, within your life, within your career. Most of us are terrified of change. And I feel and I've observed that fear is at the root of what holds all of us back. Um, and so, you know, as you have heard, I've reinvented myself at various points in my life. 
So there was a point when dance and ballet was all I did. And I was certain I was going to be a ballet dancer. But I didn't grow over 5'2". And I have these feet that really toe shoes just was excruciating. So that was not what I got to do. So then it was, I'm going to be an archaeologist. And, and I embraced that. Um, each time I've allowed myself that change. When my kids were little, when my second daughter was born and I had that inspiration, like, I want to be a midwife, you know, well, okay, so I was 32 years old. I already had a different degree and a whole different career. Can you change careers totally? Can you start from scratch somewhere? And, you know, my ex-husband, actually, he was the one that stimulated that in me because he said, if money didn't matter and time didn't matter and what other people thought of you didn't matter, what would you do with your life, Abigail? And at that time, I was a designer, but there was something missing. And I said to him, well, you know, I've shared it with you. And he goes, no, but I want to hear you say it. And that's when I said, I want to be a midwife. Now, that doesn't mean that what you do with your time or how much time it takes or how much money you're going to earn or what others think of you, that that doesn't matter. But that was the way of getting down to that seminal spark of, of my greatest passion in life. Um, and so I did. The, the, the next day, he got a raise at work out of the blue. And to me, that was the message from the universe, like, Abigail, you can stop your business and you can start learning something totally new. And, you know, come to me in another 10 years, Kim, I'll probably be doing something else. I, not being afraid of change. So change meant being able to get out of a relationship of 28 years that was no longer feeding me, hadn't fed me for a long time. Change means being able to leave my family home of San Francisco that I had lived in for half a century and move to the wild and wonderful world of Los Angeles. Um, yes, allow yourself the possibility of change. So how has being a woman helped you in your career? Like, are there male midwives? Um, there are a handful, a very small amount of male midwives. They are nurse midwives. So they have gone to a nursing school uh, first and then kind of gone on to a nurse midwifery program. Very small number. I've met, I think there's one in San Francisco. Are there male midwives? There are a handful of male obstetricians that I think have the heart and soul of a midwife. Um, Dr. Michel Audon is one of them, French obstetrician who kind of uh, is amazing, started practicing in the 60s and he brought in water birth for his patients and standing birth and VBAC births. Um, so, uh, wait, what was the question again about... So how has being a woman served you in, in your practice? Well, because I have chosen to be in women's health and in a very specific part of women's health, which is around our reproductive health, both as a midwife and now in the fertility and the gynecological health world I'm doing, I think being a woman... Uh, means that I have a compassion and understanding for what's going on in a woman's body. So when I was with a client in labor who was really struggling, it was her first baby, she was scared, she was in pain. Boy, this wasn't like they said it was going to be in the hypnobirthing class where you're just kind of <laughs> breathing. No, man, this, we can get down and dirty here, but your body knows how to do it, and I'm here to help you through. So the fact that I was a woman, that I had birthed before, and that I had had a really hard, challenging birth, I feel that gives me a level of understanding and compassion and a sense of humor about it. Um, having experienced... Um, pain in my body, many years of terrible menstrual cramps. I can, I, I can understand that with women. So I feel that I can relate to them on a female to female level. Um, unfortunately, the field of midwifery um, has been marginally legal for many decades. It was actually, we were, the United States was the only country in the world that made midwifery like pretty much illegal, which if you talk to somebody from Europe, they're just baffled at that because midwives have handled pregnancy and birth for millennia as they have in Asia. So 
I think in just in the overall Western medical world, um, Western medicine is anti-woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's changing. We have more and more female physicians, but they, it's like being in the army. They have to fight so hard against their male counterparts in a male paradigm that's running male energy that they often end up coming out on the other end being just as similar to their male colleagues. Um, as a midwife, I trained only with other women um, and, uh, and in a very supportive environment. So I feel that that I was actually nurtured in my process of becoming a midwife. I was midwife into becoming a midwife because that is a special ability that women can have. They do have it. They can have it. Not that men don't. Um, it's just different. Mm-hmm. So if you were queen of a country oh. and you could, you could pass like that, what would be the first law that you would pass? What would be the first thing that you would change? What would be your prime focus? Mm. You were queen of a country and you could just get your subjects to change their lives in one way. What would it be? Wow. That's, you know, I have, I'd have to really think about that, Kim, because that's a big-ass question. <laughs> um, one way, one way. Um, hmm. Gosh. So many things come to mind. I can't really, here again, it's my Libra mind looking at everything at once, that kind of coming down with one way, one thing that I would do. Obviously, you know, I'm passionate about, um, about birth, about, about women feeling um, safe and supported for a normal, uh, peaceful, physiological birth. So let's just say that, that that is something that I, as queen, would make sure that we would support in women. So I would move birth out of the hospital. Um, I would make sure that we had thousands of midwives and only a small amount of obstetricians because they're trained in diseases of the pelvis and surgery. And last time I checked, pregnancy and birth were neither of those. So um, bringing, bringing that, um, that love and that autonomy back to women so that they can birth with their, uh, with their power that they do have. It's not impossible to have a natural childbirth. We've been feeding women a pile of crap for decades that they can't do it. They absolutely can do it. Um, and that moment is how you choose to bring the next human onto the planet. Do you want to be full of drugs? Do you want your baby full of drugs? Do you want the baby born quietly into a warm, dark room or a warm, dark water tub? Or do you want the bright lights of a hospital with a stranger and beeping machines and somebody who's going to cut the cord instantly and hand the baby off to somebody else? Um, All of those, I really think, affect our initial imprinting as human beings. So to have a peaceful world, I think we actually need to go back to birth. Well, I think that's a perfect, perfect answer to end on. All right. Uh, oh, yes. Here we go. How do we get in touch with you? Well, um, probably emailing is a good one. Um, I am, I'm in transition now with my website. So in another 10 days, I'm actually launching a new website. So I almost hesitate to put it out there because it's not complete. But uh, my current website is rebirthmidwifery.com. And my new website is going to be rebirthwomenswellness.com. My email address is my initials at rebirthmidwifery. So AR at rebirthmidwifery.com. My new email that I'll be adding in will be abigail at rebirthwomenswellness.com. So that's a lot. Um, you can also call me. 
Um, but I have terrible cell reception up here at my house in Altadena. So <laughs> chances are our phone conversation would be like, <laughs> like that. So it's better to reach out <laughs> first by email and start that connection. And then if we do need a phone conversation so you can find out a little bit more, I can find out more in person, we'll set a, a time for that where I know I can actually be someplace where we can hear each other. Awesome. Yes. And so all of that information will be in the notes in the group. It will also be in the notes for the show. So thank you, Abigail, so much. This is just, I love having conversations with you. Like, <laughs> they last so long and I could listen to you for hours. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Kim. It always made my Pilates sessions pass very quickly because we had a lot to talk about, you and me. <laughs> always. Always. Yeah. And in between yes. the breathing. <laughs> so, yes, thank you so much for having me on. And thank you, um, all of your, your lovely queens that are inspired and, um, and being lifted up by you as you help them adjust their crowns a little bit. I got to straighten out their crown. You know, every day. It's, not, it's not broken. You just got to no. get it on straight. That's it. So, so as always, my fellow queens, own your throne, mind your business, make it rain, and I will see you along the Queen's Way. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crownyourselfnow or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.